It is New Year's Eve, which sounds strange because it's actually New Year's Eve morning, but you know what I mean. It's time of year when we look back at some of the great things that God has blessed us with in the year past, some of the challenges that we faced, some of the ways that God has seen us through those challenges. And then also we look forward to what God's going to do in the coming year. We, we're not prophets. We don't pretend to be. But, but we, we try to look ahead a little bit and just see some of the ways that God is going to work and prepare ourselves for some of the things that God's going to do. So, so I want to do that with you this morning just a little bit. Uh, last year, National Heights saw some great things happen. Back in March, we started our Envision process. This is uh, something we've actually been working on for several years now, working on trying to uh, pray through and think about what God wanted to do in our building. And God led us to some really exciting things, and so we began to raise the money towards that. And so far, uh, you've given $245,417 towards our Envision process. So we're not even a year into our three-year plan, and we're over a third of the way towards our goal, and we praise the Lord for that. This is the time of year when we celebrate what God is doing in uh, missions around the world through our Lottieman Christmas offering. So far, you've given more than $11,000 to our Lottieman Christmas offering, and we praise the Lord for that and thank the Lord for how He is working through you and through Southern Baptists around the world to make sure that God's message is proclaimed to every person on the face of the earth. We've had the opportunity to partner with some wonderful ministries throughout our areas. Tom shared with you just a few moments ago, we have our wonderful blessing box out here that our Next Step ministry has provided. Our Next Steps ministries have partnered with a number of different wonderful groups here in town with Ronald McDonald House and many others, uh, Pregnancy Care Center, and, and so many wonderful groups. And many of you pr- have participated in one or more of those ministries. We'll have lots more of those coming up in uh, the months to come. So be watching for ways that you can be a part of what God is doing. We partnered with uh, groups in our, our uh, community like Grand Oak Ministries and the wonderful work that they are doing. Uh, several of you helped in, in the new building that Grand Oak has that will, will multiply their ability to be able to reach out to the Springfield area with support and help. So many of you participate in, in the quilts that our WMU makes and in the food drives that we have, which we have another one of those coming up, Super Bowl Sunday, first Sunday in February. So be uh, watching for Super Bowl Sunday coming up. Uh, we'll be collecting uh, canned food items that day, and that's always a, a great, great time. We partner with Fremont Elementary School for a number of years now and have such a wonderful relationship with them and have seen some new ways that we've been able to reach out to the students and parents there at Fremont. That's just scratching the surface of some of the wonderful ways that God has been using you in 2017. So what's God going to do in 2018? Well, I don't know. But I know it's going to be exciting. Because we have a powerful and mighty God, and I can't wait to see all the incredible things that God is going to do through you. Had I been Jeremiah, this message wouldn't have started quite that way. Jeremiah brought a similar kind of message to the 
people of his day, the people of Jerusalem. But it wasn't a very happy message. In fact, it was, it was just the opposite. Here's what Jeremiah told them in Jeremiah, the 30th chapter, the first verse. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Write in a book all the words I have spoken to you. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will bring my people Israel and Judah back from captivity and restore to them the land I gave their forefathers to possess, says the Lord. Now we're going to take a a look at Jeremiah's prophetic message this morning. But we're going to see something very important. God's message for the future is also his message for us today. Have you ever wondered why there are books of prophecy in the Bible? Well, maybe you haven't wondered that because there are some exciting prophecies. We look forward to the return of Christ. We look forward to God displaying his power. And we're excited about that. But in Jeremiah's day... The people might have wondered, why do we need this? Because Jeremiah's prophecy didn't seem very good for them. In fact, it was just the opposite. Throughout Jeremiah's prophecy, he calls for the people of Jerusalem to surrender to the nation of Babylon, to allow Jerusalem to be overrun, to allow the armies of Babylon to take their families into exile. It's almost like a football coach gathering his team on the sideline and saying, guys, we can't possibly win this game, so let's just go home. We're just going to forfeit. Just pack up your belongings, gather up all the equipment. We'll go back in. I'll go tell the other coach, it's your game. That's kind of what Jeremiah's prophecy sounded like to the the people of Jerusalem, that that he was telling them to just throw in the towel, that it was over. But it went even deeper than that. The sin of the nation had gone on so long that God knew this was the only way to turn things around. They had been given multiple opportunities to repent, to turn back to God, To find his forgiveness, and yet every time they had refused to do so. And now they were facing the consequences. They shouldn't have been surprised by what was happening to them. But the message didn't end there. God's punishment would only be for a season. As they finally turned back to him, God would restore the people. They would come back to their land that God had promised to their forefathers. Now, knowing that hope gave them a purpose for today. They could face the defeat, the devastation that their nation was about to face, knowing that this was God's plan to bring about ultimate victory. Jeremiah's prophecy was not some kind of a a magic trick, something to to show the audience the prediction and then to wow them when those predictions came true. God's prophecy for the future 
was designed to lead the people of that day to trust God. Knowing that God was still in control made all the difference. When you go on vacation, normally, most of us, we make some travel plans. You you buy the plane tickets or you you pull out the map and you, you kind of plan out your route from from where you are to get to where it is that you're wanting to go on vacation. If you're going there for the very first time, you've never traveled there before, that can be a little bit more challenging. And at some point, you have to exercise a little bit of faith. You have to trust that the plane you just boarded is actually going to wind up in the city where you plan to go. Or you have to trust that those little squiggly lines on the map actually represent real roads that will truly take you to the destination where you're trying to travel. You have to trust those things for several reasons. First, you can trust them because you know other people have used that particular airline or other people have have traveled by that particular map and, and they've actually wound up in the place where they plan to go. Or you can trust the people that give you those plans. You can trust the travel agent that gives you the travel plans. Or or you can trust the people that drew the map that they knew what they were doing and, and actually drew the roads where they were supposed to be. Or you can simply trust that the directions you've been given are correct. And you're going to wind up in the place where you want to go. Prophecy is a little bit like that. The people of Jeremiah's day could follow God now because they knew where God was taking them tomorrow. They could know that God was in control. They could leave their homes. They could travel to a foreign land led by a conquering king and still live for God. Because the prophecy for tomorrow gave them hope for today. We can do the same thing. We know how all of this turns out. We know that one day Jesus is going to return. And we know that he is Lord of all right now. We know the circumstances we face today do not have the final word. God's prophecies have always been faithful. They will always be faithful because God is always Faithful, And we can live today in that promise. We can enter a new year knowing that just like God was with us in 2017, God's going to be with us in 2018 and however farther on we go until we meet the Lord. We can live in that promise. So what does that mean? What should we do knowing that truth? I'm going to say that all of us here believe the Bible. 
we wouldn't be here this morning if we didn't. I'm going to say that all of us here believe that the prophecies in the Scripture are actually true. It's not just some kind of myth. It's not just some kind of fable. What we have in God's Word is real. We're convinced of that. So now what? The people of Jeremiah's day had some pretty specific instructions. They believed God. They knew God was with them. So here's what they were supposed to do. It's found in chapter 29, verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses. And settle down. Plant gardens. And eat what they produce. Marry. Have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. And give your daughters in marriage. So that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now let's unpack that a little bit. It's pretty specific. And I can guarantee you it was not what the people of Jeremiah's day thought God was going to say to them. They had been conquered. Their enemy had come into their home and destroyed their city. Their enemy had taken their families from their homes and taken them away to a land so far from them, there was virtually no way they could have any communication with their family that had been left back in Jerusalem. It was, it was a horrifying thing. I mean, just imagine if that were to happen today. If a conquering nation were to come into Springfield, destroy our homes, take our families, and physically remove them to another country where we can't see them or talk to them. Now, now what would you expect God to do? Well, I think most of us would expect some plan for counterattack, some way to destroy that nation, some way to exact our revenge on this horrible thing they had done to us. And, and that no doubt was exactly what the people of Jeremiah's day were expecting. That God was going to come down and squash their enemy, strike them with lightning, take away all their weaponry, and allow them to be completely destroyed. But that's not what God said to them. In fact, it was just the opposite. He tells them, build a house. Settle down. Have some kids. Plant a crop. Make it your home. But even stranger than that, even stranger 
and not telling them to fight back, but telling them to settle down and, and make that land of exile their home, even stranger, God calls for them to pray for the peace and prosperity of the city where they were exiled. Think about that for a minute. God is telling those who had been ripped out of their homes in Jerusalem, placed in a foreign land, to pray for the prosperity of the people who had done that to them. What in the world is going on here? Pray for the peace and prosperity of the city that had destroyed their home? To ask God to bless their captors? As that city prospered, they would prosper? What could that mean? God was at work. That's what it means. The people were in exile because of their sin, because they had turned away from God, because they had refused to repent and come back to him. That was the whole reason this had happened to them in the first place. But as they learned to trust God, God would bring them back into fellowship with him. As they obeyed God, God would bless them. And as they came back into fellowship with God, God would bring them back to Jerusalem. And they would rebuild the temple, they would rebuild the city, and they would prepare the way for the next step of God's plan. Ultimately, resulting in what we celebrated last Sunday, the coming of the Messiah into the world. That all started with God's people trusting Him. Every project that you will undertake during this next year whether that project is of tremendous significance or whether that project is to take the trash out to the curb. Every project that you will undertake next year has a first step. Everything we do, we have to actually start. As the old saying goes, the longest journey begins with a single step. So this year, make sure that first step is the right one. Start every journey by trusting God and obeying Him. Now you may think there are some journeys in life that that's not applicable. But you would be thinking wrong. Had the people of Jerusalem been trusting God and obeying him in the little things, they wouldn't be packing up their belongings and moving to Babylon at this particular time in their history. Folks, the time to start trusting God and obeying him 
is wherever you are right now in life. Now, if you're facing some big decisions, and all of us from time to time in our life, we face some big decisions. And and that is an obvious time for us to trust God, to ask for his leadership, to seek his guidance, and then to follow the wisdom that he gives us. That's kind of, of obvious. But be careful Because Satan can come into even those big decision kinds of situations and try to make the obvious look optional. To try to make the the obvious reality that I need to trust God in this and I need to do what God is telling me to do. Satan steps in and says, well, you know, there are a couple other options. No, there's not. There's God's option and failure. That's it. But maybe right now you're not facing something monumental in your life. Maybe things are going pretty good. And as you enter into 2018, your life is on a pretty good plane right now. You're just kind of surfing the wave. You need to be even more careful to trust God and obey Him now. Because here's what Satan does in that situation. Satan will come in when things are going good and it's like, hey, life's good. What do you need God for now? You got it under control. Save that for the big problems. And that's what happened to the people of Jerusalem. They'd kind of been surfing the wave of some pretty prosperous years in their life, and they'd begun to think, well, we don't really need God right now. We got this. And now as they faced that journey to Babylon, they began to realize, whoa, we needed God then. Folks, here's the thing. If, if we trust God in the little things right now, When the big things come, and those monumental times in our life will come, we're going to face those monumental decisions, those difficulties, or those exciting decisions. When those big decisions come, if we've been trusting God in the small stuff, trusting Him in the big stuff will just come naturally. So big stuff, little stuff, and all the stuff in between. As you enter into 2018, the answer is always the same, just like the hymn tells us. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. Heavenly Father, as we enter into a new year, first of all, we celebrate what you have done. We give you praise and glory. You have blessed us in such marvelous abundance. You've blessed this church. You've blessed us individually. You've blessed our families, and we give you praise. God, you've been there for us during the difficult days in this year past. You've been there for us in the joyful times. Your presence is always there, and we give you praise for what you have done. God, help us to trust you. Help us to trust you in the little things and the things that sometimes we make the mistake to think they don't really matter all that much. God, we need you there. Desperately, we need your leadership and your wisdom 
in the simple everyday decisions of life. Because, God, we need the practice. Because we're going to face some difficult journeys in 2018. Some of us will face difficult journeys in our families. Some of us will face difficult journeys in our own individual life. Some of us will face difficult journeys in our businesses. Some of us will face difficult journeys in our school. We're going to face some difficult things, Lord. But God, just as you have been here for us in 2017, you will be here for us in 2018. So help us, Heavenly Father, to do what the hymn encourages us to do. To trust and obey. For Lord, it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.